This is the St. Louis All Local Podcast, bringing you the top stories from the KMOX News Team for this Wednesday, November 8th. I'm Megan Lynch. Missouri's U.S. Junior Senator Eric Schmidt weighing in on what he thinks will happen when it comes to funding to keep the government in operation. The deadline is next week for extending the continuing resolution, Senator Schmidt claims, since he has been in the Senate for nearly 11 months. Two weeks ago, they spent about 10 minutes on any budget or appropriations bill. Chuck Schumer is not interested in running these 12 bills individually like they should be run, having an open amendment process. And by the way, that means Democrats can offer amendments. It means Republicans can offer amendments. You have real debate. I think that's what people think happens here. It's not what happens at all. Schmidt says when they get to a deadline like next week, Senator Schumer will write the bill and unveil it an hour before senators vote. He will then offer two options, support the bill or support a government shutdown. Maria Aquino, KMOX News. Dozens of St. Louis organizations have released a letter in support of Congresswoman Cori Bush and her demands for a ceasefire in Gaza. Nearly 40 organizations signed the letter, including Progressive Jews of St. Louis, Jewish Voice for Peace St. Louis, and the St. Louis-Palestine Solidarity Committee. This comes after dozens of leaders in the St. Louis Jewish community sent a letter to Bush last week calling on her to apologize for statements they said could stoke anti-Semitic sentiments. With the war raging on for a month now, Tasha Kaminsky wants people to know that Jews and Palestinians here can gather, pray, and mourn together peacefully. She's organized the ceasefire Shabbat this Friday night. I have already confirmed that several Palestinian leaders in our community will be joining us to celebrate Shabbat and uh, to break bread with us. Kaminsky says the word ceasefire has become political or divisive, and some Jewish people don't know where to turn to pray for peace. She calls Friday's Shabbat at Matovo in the Botanical Heights neighborhood a safe space where all are welcome. A lawsuit filed by St. Louis Board of Alderman President Megan Green might run into some legal hurdles. KMOX legal analyst Brad Young says it comes down to regulations laid out in the city charter. Under the ethics rules uh, in the city of St. Louis, under the section 33 that talks about prohibited activities, it specifically prohibits a member of the Board of Aldermen uh, to file any lawsuit against the city. Young tells Total Information AM that the charter stipulates the legal counsel can find members who attempt to sue. It's unclear if Green would be able to continue the lawsuit. North St. Louis tiny homes are now ready for homeless vets to move in. A total of 20 homes have been built here in the Jeff Vanderlyn neighborhood, specifically for veterans who are homeless or in need of transitional housing. These 20 tiny homes, they've got everything you need, uh, a bed, a bathroom, even a TV and kitchen. And one of the interesting facts is that when they actually move into this home, all of the property inside belongs to that veteran. And the entrance to each of these tiny homes is on level ground to allow veterans of all walks of life to be able to get in and out of the homes that they now will have. Reporting at the tiny homes in the Jeff Vanderlyn neighborhood, Stuart McMillan, KMOX News. What factors drove Boeing to expand in St. Louis? The question was posed to Boeing Senior Director Randall Gelzer at an aerospace forum Wednesday morning. Gelzer says St. Louis has a great ecosystem for aviation. Veterans, STEM, uh, and uh, efforts around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then that whole community, that ecosystem, um, you know, that that is foundational to 
to who we are and what we do in the region. Boeing has announced a nearly $2 billion expansion in St. Louis. Sean Malone, KMOX News. Missouri's auditor says the state's lottery continues to boost funding for education, even while cutting ad expenses. Auditor Scott Fitzpatrick says funding for the lottery's advertising budget has dropped by more than $16 million since 2018. Meanwhile, transfers of Missouri lottery proceeds to education have increased by more than $53 million in the same period of time. From the KMOX business desk, superstar singer Taylor Swift first showed up at a Kansas City Chiefs game as a fan September 24th. George Washington University professor of sports management Meredith Geisler says that has not hurt the reigning Super Bowl champs. Yeah, the Chiefs' social media numbers have gone way up. So uh, you know, they have they have put themselves in the spotlight. Not that they weren't already there because of their recent Super Bowl wins, but it has just catapulted their their uh, prominence you know, to, to new heights that I don't think they ever thought would even happen. Geisler will talk about PR bonanzas on Friday evening at the ninth annual Olin Sports Business Summit at Washington University. Artificial intelligence offers great promise, diagnosing diseases, predicting floods and other effects of climate change, improving safety. We continue this week's conversations about the ways that AI is emerging in our world with media literacy expert Julie Smith, because she helps us think critically about some of these new technologies. When we talk about, for example, the arena of politics, Julie, I think one of the things that's been the most fascinating is deepfakes. And the ways that campaigns are using AI to their benefit. And not even campaigns, but people who support certain candidates mm-hmm. can create deep fakes and shallow fakes. Now, the difference between a deep fake and a shallow fake, obviously a deep fake is, is created completely from scratch. A shallow fake is when a video of someone might already exist and it's just tweaked. So you can change maybe the audio, et cetera. So that's a shallow fake. Deep fakes and shallow fakes, I think, will be um, very prevalent in the 2024 election. What makes me nervous about those, Megan, is that say that a candidate is caught doing something awful or saying something awful, their response could easily be, oh, well, that was a deep fake. Ah. So we're we're in this weird phase where it's really hard to know what to believe and what not to believe. But we can use AI in the political sphere to help us explain complex issues. Um, maybe do opinion analysis, debate analysis, fact-checking. There's a lot of ways that we can use AI to help us determine where our vote should go. That's interesting you say that because there was recently an issue we were looking at, and so I typed into, I think it was ChatGPT at the Mm -hmm. time, you know, explain such and such. And so then after it came up with an explanation, I did go back and check some other sources to see how accurate is this. what did you find out? It was fairly accurate. See, and I think... Is it cheating, for lack of a better term, to go on one of these AI sites and say, explain the political situation in the Middle East (laughs) or describe to me why the uh, interest rates affect the economy? These are these are things that we can use for much deeper knowledge than Google, for example. Um, Google's great for facts, not necessarily for knowledge. So there, there are ways, not just that, that politicians and their supporters can use AI, but that we can use it also. Let's look at the health realm. We've had a number of stories uh, about how AI is driving diagnosis and treatment options. Do you know what surprised me so much? A study came out last week that said that older 
doctors, older physicians are much more excited about AI than the younger ones, hmm. which surprised me because I think you would expect it to be the other way around, right? Um, so I think we can look at AI as civilians since we're, since we're not physicians as um, maybe it'll help our x-rays be read faster or help with diagnosing. Um, there's AI tools that can operate as health coaches, AI journals to help with mental health. Like there's there's all sorts of ways that we can use AI tools in in the health realm in addition to the way that the medical field can use it. I think a lot of people are worried about AI in the business realm replacing people. You know, I, I think I've got a friend of mine who's a graphic artist, but mm -hmm. she is actually using it to her advantage to create things much more quickly than she would have before. And, you know, people, you've heard the saying, AI is going to take our jobs. I don't think that that's necessarily true, but someone who knows how to use AI well will take someone's job because it demonstrates a willingness to learn new technology and have a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset. And business owners can use AI just to increase their productivity, like with logo design, emails, marketing materials. I mean, it's it's a way that they can really tighten up and quicken everyday tasks so that they can spend other time building their business in other ways. That's Webster University instructor and author Julie Smith. Tomorrow, she's going to share some more ways that artificial intelligence can help you with your productivity. And if you've missed any of our chats from Monday and Tuesday on AI innovation and AI in education, you can listen on the Total Information AM podcast page at KMOX.com. You've been listening to the St. Louis All Local Podcast from KMOX News. Subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts.